Hello and welcome. You are listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing, and how it all goes wrong. Join us on our magical journey through a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope. And I'm C.T. Kelly. All right, all right, let's jump right in here. Sweet. <clears throat> Walter L. Jacobs died on Wednesday, February 8th, 1985, at the age of 88. Damn it. <laughs> our fallen son. <laughs> Born the son of a Chicago manufacturing representative for Ford Motors, Walter made good use of the lot he drew in life. The earliest Ford Model Ts were sold at a loss, and Walter cashed in, raising capital and purchasing roughly a dozen cars which he painted and maintained himself. Oh. Yeah. His business was to rent the cars for short periods of time. He called it Rent-A-Car Incorporated. Oh. Yeah. This guy's on to something. <laughs> They're still doing that. Hey! Five years later, he would go on to sell the fleet, which now numbered around 600 cars, to a man named John Hertz, who, in turn, sold it to General Motors, Through Walt- though Walter would serve as president of the firm under both owners. Hmm. By all accounts, Rent-A-Car was a steady yet modest source of profit, and General Motors did relatively little with it, and in 1953, sold it to Omnibus, a group of investors Walter helped form. Hmm. So he basically just bought it back eventually. Hmm. Nice. As, but as an investor... Yes, the American dream. A Hertz, spokespers- a Hertz spokesman credited Jacobs with creating the, uh, the franchised agencies that Hertz still maintains, and, and with introducing credit card use and airport locations uh, as added rental car attractions. Hmm. So he basically invented a lot of the staples of car rental businesses. Right. Jacobs Jacobs retired in 1960, but remained a director of the Hertz Corporation until 1968. Hertz Hertz had died in 1961. Mm. Quote, American business has lost one of its great leaders, managers, and entrepreneurs, said Frank A. Olson, current chairman and chief executive officer of Hertz. Quote, What Walter Jacobs began with a few Fords many years ago is now a worldwide organization that utilizes nearly 400,000 vehicles and recorded more than 15 million rentals worldwide in 1984 alone. Wow. Jacobs is survived by his wife, Mildred, and his son, Richard. Hmm. But let's back up a moment. Okay. (laughs) Sure sounds good. (laughs) If you say so. John Daniel Hertz, Sr., was an American businessman and thoroughbred racehorse owner and breeder. He was born to a Jewish, to a Jewish family in Szyblinka, Austria-Hungary, located in modern-day Slovakia. His family emigrated to Chicago when he was five. As a young man, Hertz Jr. was an amateur boxer fighting under the name Dan Donnelly due to the pervasive anti-Semitism at the time. He won amateur championships at the Chicago Athletic Association and eventually became feared and respected enough to box under his own name. Wow. He lived at 880 Fifth Avenue in New York City. Hmm. So, tough guy. Yeah, definitely. Hertz had business interests that I can only really describe as extensive and complex, focused mainly in the transport sector. Hertz's first job was selling newspapers, and eventually he worked his way up and became a sports reporter. Eventually, an assistant sports editor for the Chicago Morning News. Wow. When the paper, then called the Chicago Record, merged with another paper, he unfortunately lost his job. Hmm. 
1904, he found a job selling cars at the suggestion of a friend. Because of the number of trade-ins, he conceived a cab company with low prices so that the common man could afford to use them. In 1907, he had a fleet of seven used cars employed as cabs. This was impressive, as during all of this, Hertz did not know how to drive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's... I respect the hustle there. <laughs> right, no. Th this guy has been hustling since age five. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly, wow. He's... We're going to get to know him a little more, and he's an interesting character. Yeah. Although he aimed at providing for the common man, he insisted that his drivers be cordial, well-dressed, personable, and maintain a clean cab. Hertz was not just selling transportation. He was selling class. He was selling the experience of having a private chauffeur to the average Joe. Mm. Though, he also took care to sell to the upper crust. By 1917, his fleet of cars included seven limousines. Uber black. Yeah. <laughs> the original idea for Uber. Oh. Yeah. Did you wow. know that? No. Yeah, no. The, I mean... I want to do an Uber episode eventually, but yeah. that's going to be like a four-parter. Yeah, that's a juggernaut. That's an enormous story. Yeah. Maybe f maybe for a special occasion. Yeah. So that'll take like two months of research. But, yeah. But his original concept for Uber was, um, he called it Uber Cab. And the mm -hmm. idea is that you would you would pay like $200 and rent a, uh, like rent a, a luxury limousine for oh, a while. okay. Yeah. Interesting. When, when the public began to complain that the fares were too high, he introduced smaller models and painted them bright yellow for easy identification. The business exploded, and by 1940 he was able to found a manufacturing plant, which eventually expanded into making buses and trucks. Wow. Yeah. His influence was huge. You don't know the half of it, my friend. The taxi business flourished under Hertz. The yellow cab company, his company, is often credited with pioneering the use of balloon tires, automatic windshield wipers, <laughs> ultra-high-frequency two-way radios, and in recent years, fleet-wide use of ultra-high-frequency radio and passenger seat belts. Wow, this guy's contributions to like the auto industry and the, just like the what we think of cabs is just like huge. Uh, he was basically the main guy selling cars in like, so Hertz. Um, Hertz basically worked with one of his buds was the son of like the head of manufacturing yeah. for the Ford plant. Mm. So he was basically during the the initial boom, the invention of the automobile and its com in the the cradle of its commercial conception. Yeah. There were two people selling cars. Right. There were two people selling automotive transportation. Yeah. Henry Ford right. and John Hertz. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> right, he was he was number two in the market, but number two in the in that market is still an enormous chunk of the market. Right, when there's only two major people in the market, and that's huge. And and Hertz, Ford was more. I mean, Ford is his own barrel of monkeys, but yeah, Ford was very much a like an industrialist. He was yeah. much more concerned with like the efficiency of factory design. Yeah, he like assembly line and stuff. He didn't actually care about the product all that much. Mm. But I think what John Hertz's big advantage was was that he actually 
cared and understood the experience of being in a car. Yeah, well, because he pioneered so many different uses of it, and, like, I mean, his contributions are enormous. Well, and he, he genuinely listened to his drivers of, like, what would make this easier for you. Right, exactly. Like, like listen to, like, the, like... Um, lower income people who are like these fares are too high and right. he designed a new system so that more people could use cabs oh yeah no he in 1920 he started like fares started out at like 25 cents and then went to 10 and then went to like 5 wow <clears throat> most of yellow cabs competitors were out of business by the mid 1920s with their only serious competition being the checker cab company hmm. a small firm founded in 1919 by an Oak Park, Illinois cabbie named Frank Dillinger. Uh, uh, Checker differed from Yellow in that it was an association of independent owner-operators operating under a single livery, Mm. easily identified by their distinctive green and cream paint scheme and logo. Yeah. Buckle up, everyone. (laughs) Competition between the Yellow Cab Company and the Checker Taxi in Chicago was fierce. Hertz was known for his high, uncompromising standards for the wage his workers were paid. However, in a controversial move for the 19 for Chicago in the 1920s, Hertz was also known for hiring black drivers. Mm. Wow. Hertz and his business practices were controversial to say the least. Yeah, the 20s was this? Yeah. Or the 30s, did you the, say? Uh, the 20s and earlier. Wow. That's that's insane. Yeah. So he was he was simultaneously very like vocally anti-union yeah like he he asked a he asked what was probably too much of his drivers Mm. for the wage that he was paying them but he actually hired black drivers right that's like that's insane for that time in history i it's it would be a mistake to give it to him out of like he wasn't exactly he while he was more progressive than a lot of his competitors yeah there was definitely still an element of you are a vulnerable minority and I can get away with pushing you harder. Right. right. There, it's not it's not cut and dry. Yeah, like he's, he's very complicated. It's it's issue. like it's a good thing that he did it, but he wasn't really doing it for good reasons. Right. It's, it wasn't out of altruism, you know. No, it was not out of it was not out of altruism. Yeah. Although for 19 for Chicago in the 1920s not minding hiring black people is like yeah, that's an why enormous so, step forward. That's why I'm so shocked. Like, he just whatever the intentions were, just the fact that he did it is very surprising. Right, right. Okay, here we go. This is from the Associated Press on July 27th, 1920. <clears throat> Taxi cabs used in tanks in f- used as tanks in fierce street battle between rival <laughs> concerns. <laughs> Hundreds of shots fired by drivers of vehicles during the early morning hours in streets on west side of Chicago. No casualties. <laughs> the damn 20s. Chicago. Normal. A battle between fleets of taxi cabs in which the vehicles were maneuvered according to the best strategies of tank warfare while their drivers fired hundreds of shots at each other raged through the early morning hours on the streets of Chicago's west side today. The battle was the result of long-standing differences between the drivers of Yellow Cab Company and the Checker Taxi Cab Company, a rival concern. <laughs> that is so, like, I don't even know like what genre of movie you would call that. Like this, this shit is like Fast and the Furious nineteen twenties. Yeah, it's like exactly. Gilded Age nineteen twenties. 
Fast and the Furious bullshit. Right, which sounds like such a good movie. This would make such a good movie. Yeah. Especially if it was like someone like Boz Lerman or someone who yes. could like make it super exaggerated and insane. Right, 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 right. Oh my god. No, like, just sit down and enjoy this, because <laughs> yeah. this is wild. Yeah. For hours, the battling drivers played every trick of mobile warfare against each other that they could think of. Strings of yellow cabs in line rushed past the headquarters of the Checker Cab Company at breakneck speed, emptying revolver broadsides into the latter's office. Rallying, the the black and white checkered cabs of the attacked concern dashed out en masse and ripped into the yellow for counterattacks according to the best tactics of shock action. (laughs) That's crazy. Because remember, it's 1920s. Like, it's nineteen twenty. Most of these guys were in the war. Yeah. (laughs) An enormous... Like, okay, for every guy carrying a gun in modern, like, mechanized warfare, there are seven people supporting them. And half of the... Like, four of those three people drive trucks. Yeah. And after the war, they all need jobs. Yeah, exactly. So these... These aren't... These are not exaggerations. In all likelihood, every single person in these situations was trained in vehicular combat. Yeah, right. That's crazy. While these major engagements were being fought, numerous individual battles were fought by drivers who, racing their taxicabs <laughs> hub to hub, emptied their pistols into each other at close range. I just picture, like, while this, like, battle's going on, they have, like, a Mongol Pandey-esque, like, sword fight going on on top of oh, the cabs. It's like, I would not, literally not be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> right, that would be crazy. Oh, my God. The battle started in a bit, in a bit of fist skirmish, which two south side drivers of the rival concerns were engaged. The engagement then moved to the west side sector and became general. <laughs> It became general as such a soft term there. Yeah, well, what does that mean exactly? It's basically, what they mean by became general, they mean two guys starting a fist fight turned into a literal tank battle. Yeah. <laughs> it just became general. Yeah, you be- know. Became general. That's a polite way of saying that a war between rival taxi companies broke out in the middle of the streets. <laughs> Guerrilla mechanized warfare. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> this is like this is what I say when when people say like, "Wow, twenty twenty has been crazy." Like we've never seen it's like shit. Shit like this is happening constantly, and it's like there's always batshit insane stuff going on throughout history. For as like <laughs> like for as bad as twenty twenty has been, it has nothing on nineteen twenty. <laughs> exactly. Like. There's always madness going on. It's like, yes, there are deep systemic problems that we have not addressed, but there is not open vehicular warfare happening like at random times. Like, imagine if that was happening now and people could, like, film that on their cell phones. Like, the footage would be insane. Oh my god. No, and this is the, this is, we are three paragraphs in. Jeez. Okay. The first powder action began when a... Lo- <laughs> you can't start a sentence like that. The first powder action... Well, it's, remember that, like, you have to read all of this in a 1920s transatlantic radio yeah. answer. Like, it's... The first powder action began when a lone machine acting as a scout moved on a branch garage of one of the companies. 
occupants of the machine fired into the garage. <laughs> this fire was promptly re- was promptly returned. They were fucking ready. They were yeah. strapped and ready. <laughs> you think you've got us unawares? <laughs> Taste our lead! Ugh. Occupants of the machine fired into the garage, which was promptly returned. The machine was driven off amid a regular barrage. A few minutes later, a dozen cabs in close formation roared by the branch garage of the other company with pistols of the occupants cracking like machine guns. The garage defenders replied with several volleys and sent a fleet of cabs of their cabs in pursuit. Another branch garage was was attacked by a patrol of three cabs, and from then... And from then on, numerous in individual encounters were reported until daybreak. God. <laughs> until daybreak. As far as the police could learn, there were no casualties. Really? Three of the... Uh, remember, that's the Chicago PD in 1920. You can't trust a word they say. Yeah, right. They are quite possibly the most corrupt police force in human history. Yeah. <laughs> right. Jeez. From the Chicago Tribune, June 9th, 1921. Chicago became a battlefield last night for taxicab warfare when shortly after midnight, P.A. Skirvin, a yellow cab driver, was shot and killed. The police believe um, the men are connected with the checker company. During the night, there were at least four other shooting arrays in which taxi interests clashed. Taxi interests. Taxi interests clashed. Oh no, I'm caught between two taxi interests! These are, it's like, this is, this completely constitutes open warfare. Like, yeah. This is a war. Like, on the streets with machine guns. Oh my god. During the night, there were at least four shooting arrays in which taxi interests clashed. In two of the shootings reported, passengers are said to have been menaced by the bullets. <laughs> Menaced by the bullets? What does that even mean? They said mean things to them, I guess. They were almost shot? Or they were (laughs) shot? We were menaced by bullets! Uh, I wouldn't call that being menaced. I'd call it being literally attacked. Yeah. And and the bullets aren't really doing the menacing. It's the people shooting the bullets. Yeah, right. (laughs) I love 1920s slang so much. Yeah. The Yellow Cab Company at 2 o'clock this morning offered a reward of $5,000 for the arrest and conviction of the Slayers of Skirvin. Skirvin was, uh, Skirvin was standing in front of the yellow cab stand at Roosevelt Road and, and uh, Kedzie Avenue talking to the several chauffeurs. A large automobile, said by several witnesses to have been a Stutz, sped east on Roosevelt Road. Three of the occupants of the auto opened fire with revolvers. Over 25 shots were fired at the men standing on the sidewalk, one striking Skirvin in the left side above the heart. He was rushed to St. Anthony's Hospital, where he was found dead. Uh, it doesn't say in the article, but there's a picture of him. Uh, P.A. Skirvin is black. Mm-hmm. Until this morning, the trouble had been restricted to minor assaults. <laughs> it is charged that the attempt of the checker company to take patronage from the yellow cab station at the Hotel Sherman precipitated this strife. Basically, it started as a turf war. Mm. Right? It was like, you're you're not allowed to pick up customers outside of this... Uh, outside of the Hotel Sherman. Right. right? Like, stop infringing on our territory. Yeah. It's, it was a, a, a territory war. Wow. A number of yellow drivers, according to yellow officials, who had been instructed to maintain peace, were slugged. And 
from what I can tell, that that doesn't mean shot with slugs. That means like punched. Right. They were beaten up. <laughs> wow. A checker chauffeur was arrested. Among the clashes reported to the police were these: William Coscroft and checker taxicab chauffeur living at. And then they say his address. <laughs> like they used to do that in papers. I don't right. know why. Yeah. It's like this person was convicted of assaulting somebody. He lives here. Yeah. <laughs> Here's his exact home address. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't see the benefit. <laughs> I have no clue why they do that. A yellow driver named Lawrence is reported to have been shot after two o'clock this morning at Logan Square in Milwaukee Avenue. He was hit in the foot. Hertz uh, declares war. John Hertz, president of the Yellow Cab Company, earlier today stated, quote, We have gone just as far with the murderous methods of, of the Checker Taxi Company as we intend to. It has only been comic opera. Like, or, sorry. It has only been comic opera warfare until tonight. From now on, it is going to be a fight to the finish. Way to de-escalate, Hertz. Good job. <laughs> we feel that we might just as well end the whole business right now. <laughs> In addition to offering a reward of $5,000 for the murder of driver Skirvin, I am going to the state attorneys this morning and insist on a full investigation by the grand jury of the checker cab's entire crooked business. We warned the chief of police on Saturday that the warfare would be started on Monday at the Sherman. We knew it had been planned for weeks, and we took what steps we could to prevent serious trouble, which meant that he sent armed goons after people. Just declaring war. This whole thing is a climax to a fight which was started six months ago. Many of the checker drivers are former employees of the Yellow Cab Company, dismissed for inefficiency, dishonesty, or worse. Naturally, they hate the company. (laughs) Or worse, their cabs were dirty. (laughs) They kept untidy cabs. (laughs) The Yellow Cab Company for several years has been conducting a dignified and difficult business giving a service to Chicago that is not equaled by any other transportation company in the world. It isn't a game with us. We are working hard for the best interests of the city, and we do not propose to be interfered with one minute longer. (laughs) My favorite detail there is the fact that he went to the Chicago chief of police and said, if if you don't stop this, we are going to murder everyone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The balls you have... Like, the balls you have to have as a, as a Jewish person to do that. Yeah, like, seriously. Oh, my God. Just like an open, like, <laughs> we end this tonight. Right? <laughs> that is so threatening. Oh, my it's, God. It's not, even thre- it's, it's not even a threat. It's just a declaration of their plan. Yeah. <laughs> We're sharing our plans. <laughs> Anyone not with us is against us. This is not a threat. We are simply explaining to you what is going to happen here. <laughs> God, this is such a great movie, but it's all right? real. Like, I, I, I need to, like, do you know if any films have ever been made about I, this? I haven't checked, but I don't believe so. Yeah, I feel like it would have, like, it would have been well, like, well known if it was. Just like, the character of John Hurts is like this scrappy Polish Jewish kid. Yeah. Like, growing up, growing up in New York and making ends meet as a champion boxer. Right. This is like a Scorsese movie. It's like... Like Scorsese meets Lerman, like it would be such an amazing movie. It's not even like if you if you pitched this to someone, they would say it was too much. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 
He named five companions who were with him in the big car from which the shots were fired. They had been touring all the city all night, he said, doing all the damage that they could to yellow caps. Like, basically, there was a group of guys riding around, like, defacing yellow caps. Right. New action in the bitter war. This was the latest development in the bitter war between the rival cab companies for some time. Others are, two men in a yellow cab fired four shots at Joseph Zom- uh, Zomowski, um, uh, 5109 Melvina Avenue a check chauffeur at California and Grand Avenues last night none of the shots took effect mm-hmm. Harry Rosenthal a checker driver reported that he was sitting in his cab at 22D and Halstead Streets late last night and was fired upon by the occupants of a large touring car that sped past south on Halstead Street the driver was uninjured but the car was riddled with bullets <laughs> that is traumatizing it's inc- or is that just another day's work for a yellow cab from company? what I can tell this is just what living in Chicago in the 1920s yeah. was like like shit shit like this just happens yeah you're just numb to like all of a sudden your car just being shot up for no reason <laughs> The same car is said to have fired upon two police officers standing at 16th Street and Kenzie Avenue on a short time later. The police returned fire but reported that no one was injured. I, they just drove... They just shot up some cops for no reason. Hey, there's some pigs. Get them! We got these guns. We're in a car. Come on, boys. Let's live a little. Let's be bad. This is our hot girl summer. Yeah. <laughs> Was this during Prohibition, do you know? Oh, God, oh. I have no idea. Let, let me look that up right now. If these dudes were, like, taking swigs of of alcohol and shooting up cops and rival cabs and just living life. Uh, yeah, this was at the... This was, like... Oh, my God. This was literally like a month after Prohibition started. <laughs> Some people are on edge. <laughs> they are in full rage mode. Yeah. <laughs> this is this no is wonder the, chaos is breaking. This yeah. is the citizens of Chicago at their at their most sober. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay, okay. Christ. Alderman George M. Maypole and Joseph O. Costner will introduce the city council meeting today a resolution calling on the chief of police, Fitzmorris, to keep both the yellow and checker cabs off the streets until such time that they can guarantee to quit fighting. This is designed to protect the lives of taxi cab passengers, which, in the present state of affairs, the aldermen say, are unsafe. This can be done, they point out, by revoking their license. So during all of this, they were still taking fares! <laughs> I think this is becoming unsafe for the passengers. You think? There's like machine gun wars going on. Just imagine, like, imagine being in an Uber and then, like, as you're just headed to go see your friends or whatever. You know, you pull up at a stoplight, and the driver looks over at the Lyft driver next to them. Get and down. They, they both pull, and they both flip open the glove compartments and assemble a Thompson machine gun yeah. and just fucking unload into each other as you duck and cover. Ah, oh, man, that's crazy. We fear that this is becoming dangerous for passengers. 
What about the situation is making you think? Is it the rampant machine gun warfare going on between cab companies? Is it the is it the literal Mad Max bullshit happening in the streets of Chicago? Yeah. Oh my god. 50 checker chauffeurs were arrested in the loop. Practically every checker chauffeur who ventured into the first precinct was taken into custody on the charge that he had no cab stand license, which uh, they talk about in a different article. They didn't. Like, right. That was not a trumped up charge or anything. Yeah. The checker cab company was literally like giving, they were literally just like giving cabs to people that didn't know how to drive. <laughs> right. Officials of the Checker Company also declare that the politics of unionism are at the back of the war, and that they're fighting the entire Thompson-Landon political organization. Which they were. Yeah. <laughs> Falk was arrested yesterday morning in the restaurant and pool room of David J. Brown, to, uh, 2002 West Division Street. He admitted that he and the other Checker employees went there to hide their revolvers after the shooting of Skirvin. <laughs> yeah, we went there to hide the guns. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, you got us. His confession came after the Yellow Cab Company had offered a reward of $5,000 for the arrest of Skirvin Slayers, and after Michael Skokol, president of the Checker Company, had offered a reward of $25,000 for proof that the Slayers were Checker cab drivers. <laughs> just for the proof. Just so he could confirm his, his theory. Right. And, like, one of the guys that... Like, just a testament... To how fucking crooked Chicago was, one of the guys that committed that committed the shooting immediately squealed. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is this is just sober Chicago enrage, yeah. <laughs> like directionless <laughs> Chicago enrage. One month in. <laughs> so how's prohibition going, boys? <laughs> just like pan out to like it's like. This open warfare. Right. Open vehicular warfare with the Mongol Pondy sword fight yeah. happening on the roof. Oh, man. <laughs> having a tough time. <laughs> I hate to say this, boss, but we're struggling. Yeah. <sighs> I've got a, we're in a bit of a hard place. Yeah. Things are not ideal. The arrest was made by Detective Sergeant Thomas Magnan. The confession made to him uh, Assistant State Attorneys William Scott Stewart... Directive, Chief of Detectives Michael Hughes and Attorney William Braid representing the Yellow Cab Company. He said he did not fire any shots, but sat in the rear seat as a witness. Hmm. Uh, Brown also confesses. Brown, who was also under arrest, confessed that the six men had come to his place and hidden their weapons. He said he would testify against them and refused to be released on a writ of habeas corpus. Detectives immediately sought the five men named by Fox and a one o'clock this morning, and at one o'clock this morning, it was said that three of them had been taken. Their names were withheld. Hmm. Chief of Police Fitzmorris went to Battleground last night, the Rialto District. At first, he ordered that all cabs intending to pick up passengers at the Hotel Sherman must stand in line and must come from the north. Later, he sent out the order to arrest all checker cab drivers on the grounds that they had no cab licenses. Attorney points to politics. Attorney Leonard J. Grossman of the, Checker, of the Checker Concern stated that under an ordinance passed in 1920, a number of chauffeurs who had not taken out cab stand license were arrested, but none were convicted. Some time ago, he says, they held a conference with Chief Fitzmorris. The chief stated that the matter would rest until the judicial election. 
Mr. Grossman said, if there was a hint for the checker chauffeurs to line up with the Thompson Landon outfit in the judicial campaign, we ignored it. As a company, and as individuals, we upheld the coalition candidates and gave them a, a dinner at which Judge Hugo, uh, Judge Hugo Friend was the principal speaker. This arresting of our men is now a malicious abuse of the legal process done to embarrass us temporarily, but we were told we would be punished, which, buddy, you... Your drivers didn't have licenses. Yeah. Like, this is your fault. Right. <laughs> you, mean, you didn't cover your ass and they were able to get you on a technicality. Yeah. Or, no, it's not a technicality. You were openly breaking the law. Yeah, I mean, there's no gray area there. Right. <laughs> you should not have done that. Yeah. Gotta have licenses. It's like, I'm all for the union politics, but please make sure that your drivers have licenses. Yeah, you can't just give them to random people. The mayor and the chief are treating us unfairly. The state's attorney, Crown, although uh, through his assistant, Mr. Stewart, has been most unfair. Mr. Grossman stated the Yellow Cab Company had a number of gunmen and sluggers in his employ, one of whom had, quote, boasted of murders committed for his company. He also said a city policeman took pay from the city while working for the Yellow Concern. So, like, Hertz basically has... Hertz basically has goons, yeah. and he has, like, he's bribed police officers. Yeah, he has, like, goons and police officers on L- his payroll. Literally, no one in this situation is doing, is, like, the good guy. Yeah, exactly. L- literally, everyone is breaking the law. Right. Which is what makes it such a great movie. Right. Oh, my God. I. It's like, I guess in this situation, I side with the, uh... I side with the checker cab company just because, like, just because I agree with the union politics. Yeah. But it's like no one in this situation, like, all of these people are like committing murder yeah. for no reason. Right. There's no like. There's no. Stop pure... murdering people over a taxi business. Yeah. This is. There are better ways to do this. God. He cited the case of William Koskos, fifteen thirty nine Ridgeway Avenue. Checker chauffeur arrested Wednesday night after a yellow cab had bumped his car in the rear and had smashed into a yellow in front of him. He was booked on a charge of assault. He was indicted yesterday uh, on a charge of assault with intent to kill, which I do not doubt. Yeah. It is so easy for the yellow company to obtain indictments, Mr. Grossman said, but not for us. Last February, Bill Barton, a superintendent of the Yellow Cab Company, was arrested as one of the men who riddled our garage on Broadway with bullets, damaging many cars. The case against him is still pending. Koskis was released last night on the police charge. It is expected that he will be arrested on indictment this morning. One held without booking. Chief Chief Fitzmorris last night ordered John Newberry, uh, 711 Waveland Avenue, checker man, held without being booked. His car had collided with a yellow cab. He said it was an accident. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Others know. of the 50 checker employees were released on bonds. Uh, Alderman Maypole and Kosker were attending a meeting of the finance committee when they were attracted to the taxi battle in the street below. <laughs> <laughs> they were attracted to it. We gotta get in on this. Like flies to honey. Yeah. <laughs> to see what was going on. They rushed out to see the fracas. Maple believes that the police are doing all they can, but he believes the council should do more. Quote, the police can only arrest after an incident or a murder, he said. The council can prevent murder if it will. 
Alderman Coster, believes that the police could handle the situation better by preventing such swarms of cabs from going around the hotel and by limiting the cabs to the traffic demands. Yeah. Yellow Company issues statement. C.W. Gray, vice president and general manager of the Yellow Cab Company, issued a statement last night saying, quote, Our drivers realize they are on duty for business, not to carry on a dirty street warfare with checker gunmen. We have forbidden our employees to be thugs. That's nice. Even though earlier in the article there was like that guy that boasted about how many murders he's committed for the yeah. Yellow Cab Company. Right. <laughs> we uh, forbid it. Yeah. Like, uh-huh, sure. Associated Press, April 15th, 1923. Chicago taxi cab war breaks anew! Oh, no. <laughs> it's back! <laughs> I was just, like, minding their own business, and then, like, one shot rings out, and then it just starts <laughs> all over again. Ah! There's, like, four sword fights going on. Chicago. Chicago's taxi cab war has been believed by police to have broke out afresh today when four men in a checker taxi fired on J.S. Ringer, superintend- superintendent of the Yellow Taxi Cab Company. Ringer was uninjured. The men in the checker car fled, firing at pursuing policemen as they went. Like, that's that's not gang warfare. That's an assassination attempt. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, my God. Mayor Denver stepped onto the warfare between the two rival taxicab companies yesterday and issued a warning that unless a truce is agreed upon, drastic measures would be taken to quell the outbreaks. The mayor, after he had been informed that one had been destroyed by fire and two others partly wrecked by a bombardment of bricks at Roby and Armitage, uh, said, The taxi driver's war must stop and stop immediately. (laughs) We will see whether the taximen control and own the streets or the people. I intend to confer with Chief Collins on the situation. The latest incident of burning of the burning of a cab on the northwest side is without the is about the limit this lawlessness spells defiance of constituted authority it's like all right you can you can fire hundreds of rounds at each other over the course of several days but the moment you set something on fire yeah. that's when the hammer it's comes down it's going too far man Later, Chief Collins directed the chief of detective shoemaker to station two squads in the loop district with instructions to arrest all cab drivers engaging in disputes. Disputes. In disputes. In gun battles. Yeah. The orders from the chief's office stated that all belligerent taxicab drivers are to be held all night. Captains in the outlying districts were instructed to take steps to prevent outbreaks between the chauffeurs of the two rival companies. Wild West display of guns. The burning of the taxicab on the northwest side early yesterday was attended by a Wild West display of revolvers, the police were informed by witnesses. So they were just, like, running around it and shooting their guns into the air like cowboys. Yeah! We got one! (laughs) The hunt! Three premier cabs carrying four and five men each and a supply of bricks and gasoline. Jeez. The police were informed, drove up alongside three yellow cabs at Roby Street and Armitage. <laughs> at pistol point, the yellow cab drivers were held to one side of their cabs and became a target for the bombardment of bricks. In parting, the wrecking, in parting, the wrecking crew poured gasoline over one of the partially demolished cabs and set it aflame. <laughs> so they they literally stoned people with yeah, bricks. Right. Jeez. This is 
This is what fucking lead gasoline does to people. Yeah. This is fucking lead poisoning bullshit. (laughs) And prohibition. (laughs) Sobriety and lead poisoning. Yeah, not a good combination. The police and fire departments were called, but before the arrival of the former, the attacking party had fled. The cabs used by the sluggers bore no plates. The police were informed by the yellow drivers. (laughs) Yeah. These are smart enough not to have plates. Revival of the taxicab warfare is believed to be a second chapter to the battle in which (laughs) out in front of the Hotel LaSalle and Hotel Sherman on Thursday night, the trouble on the occasion arose from a dispute over the rights for those stands. The deluxe cab organization, which held out the rights to the stand, had having gone temporarily out of business. So there was like a a power vacuum, right? right? And so now these these two locations were up for grabs. (laughs) Taxi War 2. To keep peace between the warring factions of the taxicab drivers, it was decided to detail two policemen in plain clothes from the central station and a mounted policeman at the hotel's taxi stand. The Hotel LaSalle Company sold its cars to the Diamond Cab Company, and with the cabs and with the cabs went the privilege of handing, handling the hotel's passenger traffic. Outbreaks mm. occurred between the Diamond drivers and the yellow chauffeurs. The Diamond Company disbanded, and the newly organized Deluxe Cab Company began to handle passengers at the Hotel LaSalle stand. When the latter went out of business, the hotel stand became a battleground between premier cab companies. A literal battleground. Yes. The premiere was organized shortly after the chauffeurs' union were ousted from the control of the Checker Cab Company. The Checker Company uh, was then placed on the unfair list of Chicago Federation of Labor through, uh, through the efforts. It is said of Tim Neary, the head of the chauffeurs' union. So basically, the Checker Cab Company... Um, they don't talk about this in the article, but I did some background. Yeah. The Checker Cab Company was originally, was originally a union deal, mm. right? So it was built up out of, like, all these random individuals essentially operating as literally, like, almost a confederacy, as it were. But basically what happened was the company got got big enough and the leadership basically kicked, like, the leadership basically completely ousted the union from them. Right. And so Mm. they just became another privately owned company. Yeah. Wow. Da, 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 da. So, but sorry to, but, yeah, yeah, um, but wasn't like a lot of people who had formerly worked at the Yellow Company moved over to the Checker Company because of like they were trying to get better wages? It was probably it was most likely because they were fired, right? Yeah, because right. I remember Hertz saying that that like they didn't meet the standards or whatever, but I didn't yeah. know if that meant just like people were leaving because they weren't being paid a living wage so they went over to the checker company it was probably a little of column a little of column b yeah i mean hertz was known for having high standards yeah but like so it's you get you get fired from yellow cab so you go you your choice is to basically work as a freelancer but from the looks of it it's like you don't get it's like Nobody, nobody works free, a freelance cab business. It's right. like, if you tried, the Checker Cab Company would basically show up and be like, hey, you should think about joining the union or we break your knees. Because <laughs> right. otherwise you're a scab. Yeah. I mean, they probably don't threaten to break your knees initially. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, don't start with that. Da-da-da-da. 
It has been said that leaders of organized labor in Chicago are financially interested in the premier cab company, of which Peter A. Mortensen, former superintendent of city schools, is president, which I would assume so. Yeah. And that's basically the end of the uh, the taxi warfare <laughs> thing. Madness breaking um, out on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> basically, what what ended it was they kicked out they kicked out the union leadership that were they kicked out the union guys that were basically try, that were basically using the taxi cab to fight against a a large political machine. Right. That was trying to drive them out of business. Yeah. And they just immediately got reabsorbed. Right. They, they meet... Checker Cab pretty much just immediately became another faceless corporation and was eventually just absorbed into Yellow Cab, which was then eventually, like, all taxis are pretty much run by the state now. Mm. Interesting. Like, well, they're they're not run by the state. There's, like, you have to... It's like having a liquor license, pretty much. Right, you have to get those tokens. Yeah, those tokens. Yeah. Which, those sell for, like, an enormous amount of money. Right. Wow. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that the the rampant violence stopped. Yeah. If only for the poor passengers who were just trying to get to... <laughs> get to Aunt, Aunt Joanne's right, tea party or right, whatever. Right, right. Oh, my God. Uh, perhaps seeking to distance himself from the Chicago taxi wars, in 1923, uh, John Hertz bought Rent-A-Car from Walter Jacobs. With this, he established the Drive-It-Yourself company, specially promoting a large and spacious automobile called the Hindustan Ambassador. Wow. The idea floundered. Customers did not want to be seen driving such a large vehicle. <laughs> well, what does that even mean? So, the Hindu... It's like... He offered the uh, the ambassador as like here you can rent this car and drive it around. Yeah. But it, the Hindu the Hindustan ambassador is a beast of a car. Yeah, I mean it's, that's a very regal name. This I mean, it's famous for being one of the first um, like it was actually manufactured by an Indian company. Mm. It's one of the first um, like Indian industrial products actually. Wow. Um, and it's it's sort of this like. It, it's like a big cultural symbol in India, actually. Right. Mm. It's it's very famous, wow. because it's it's a huge it's a huge part of their like their industrial revolution. Right. It is, however, an absolute beast of a car. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can see why people wouldn't want to just you know rent it and drive around. Let it. me let me show you a picture of this guy. Cool. It doesn't like if you don't see it next to a person, it doesn't look all that big. But when right. you see it, like, in scale, you're like, oh, shit, that's an enormous car. Yeah. Okay, so here's what it looks like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's like... It's a thick car. It's a thick car. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I see why that idea didn't pan out. Yeah, they're also very not gas efficient. Right, I can imagine. <laughs> During all of this, Hertz was serving a panoply of business posi- business positions from director of the First National Bank of Chicago to director of Keishan Transcontinental Freight to director of the Paramount Pictures Corporation to being an active partner in the now-defunct Lehman Brothers investment firm. Wow. All in all, Hertz served as president of the Yellow Cab Company, chairman of Benzoline Motor Fuel Company, chairman of Chicago Motor Coach Company, chairman of Fifth Avenue Coach Company, chairman of the New York Transportation Company, chairman of Omnibus Corporation of America, chairman of the Yellow Sleeve Valve Engine Works, chairman of the Yellow Truck and Coach Manufacturing Company. 
He served in both world wars, acting as a transportation and logistics expert for the Motor Transportation Division of the U.S. Army in World War One, and acting as an acting as assistant in charge of motor vehicles for Undersecretary of War Robert Patterson in World War II, which earned him a Presidential Medal of Honor from FDR. God, how does that... That's a prolific man. Additionally still, Hertz's main hobby was horse breeding. (laughs) He still found time to horse breed. In 1920, his horse, the Ray Count, won the Kentucky Derby. God. Another of his horses, Count Fleet, won again in 1943. It's like the Donald Glover of business. For real. In 1955, Hertz retired as chairman of the board. Uh, He died on October 1961 in California at the age of 82. Oh, wow. And that is the story of the Chicago Taxi Wars. How have I never heard of the Chicago Taxi Wars? I don't know. So insane. Originally, I was just looking at like business news because yeah. the Hertz Corporation uh, recently declared bankruptcy. Yeah. Mainly, I mean, due to the pandemic. Right. But it was a footnote because <laughs> as soon as I came across that story, yeah. I was like, oh, I, never mind. So perfect. The, the episode is a different is a yeah. different episode it's now. It's about the Taxi Wars now. Well, and okay, it was. I was just reading the overview of the Wikipedia article. Yeah. That was like, there was one sentence buried in the middle of the article that was like, uh, competition between the two companies was fierce, often devolving into often devolving into gunfights. And I was like, <laughs> hold the fuck up! Yeah, right. You can't just spring that on us, Wikipedia. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> there has to be some buildup. <laughs> and it's like. It was that was all we got. They just immediately moved on to like when he was forming an investment firm to repurchase the company. Yeah. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> it's Chicago in the twenties, man. Just <laughs> Oh my god. I mean I guess if you guys if hello listeners, I guess if you guys want to hear about the Hertz bankruptcy, we can do a follow we can do yeah. a follow up on this. But I, I, I spent every ounce of my research powers on yeah. <laughs> on the Chicago right. taxi wars. <laughs> CT is tired, listeners. <laughs> I just got sucked into that vortex. Yeah, it's crazy. No, it was great, though. It was just like, it's so cinematic, though. I want them to make a movie. About I want... If they ever make movies again. Just the character of... The character of John Hurts yeah. is so great. I just... The fact that he's... The, just the fact that he's such a character and he's like done all these crazy things and he's a he's a bit of a bastard as well. Yeah. And he like gets up to like to the microphone to make a statement on the taxi wars and he just says, "We end this tonight." Right. Like you think he's gonna say like, "Stop engaging in senseless violence" or something? Right, right. It's like no effort to deescalate yeah. the situation at all. An open declaration. He of knew war. exactly what he needed to yeah. do. He's like, "Fuck you for shooting my employees." Yeah, we're going. <laughs> we'll shoot back even harder. We're going to come down on you as hard as possible. Alright. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll yes. catch you next time. Next time. Right, goodbye. We Bye. love you. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter at DAOCCast, Instagram at Desperate Acts of Capitalism, and Tumblr at DesperateActsOfCapitalism.tumblr.com. 
And remember, next week's episode is up right this moment on our Patreon. Join us there for bonus content, including an entire second podcast, Business Desserts, where Evan and I talk about current business news and whatever we feel like talking about that week. And thank you so much for listening. We love you. Big things are coming.